Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. So digging into the teaching this morning, I'm reminded of uh, a TED talk by a woman named Chimamanda Adichie, and it's called The Danger of a Single Story. Uh, And in it, she talks about how we often receive one narrative or one perspective on something, and that shapes how we we view people. And her story is somebody who's from Africa coming to America to study, and, and her roommate Uh, has all these assumptions about her just based off of the fact that she's from Africa, like she's never used a stove before, or that she must be impoverished because she comes from Africa. Uh, And and she does a fantastic job of just blowing up that idea of a single narrative, of a single story. And, And I'm just grateful for that because I think that's one of the big reasons why we have four Gospels in the Bible. Because God doesn't want us to just have one perspective of Jesus, because no perspective can tell the whole story. Uh, So we have four different Gospels, and three of them, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are, are often called the synoptic Gospels, a word that means seeing together. Uh, And you'll notice if you read those that there are a lot of similarities. And yet within that, they highlight different ideas and aspects of Jesus and his ministry. They come at it from a different perspective with a different voice and a different style. And they're also writing to different audiences, which shapes what stories they choose to tell and how they tell them. And then you may come to the book of John and be like, whoa, this gospel's like totally different than the other three. And that's because John is coming from a much different perspective as well. And he wants us to see something new about Jesus. He wants us to dig deeper. And so I I love some of the comments that people make about John. Um, John is simple and profound. Many consider it the simple gospel and say, this is great for people who don't know Jesus to read the gospel of John and they'll come to faith because it's so simple, it's straightforward. Uh, And then other people are like, no, the gospel of John is the most profound gospel there is. This gospel was written for people who have been in the faith for a long time and need to go deeper and grow even more. Uh, One scholar says Matthew is writing in correspondence to the court of Gentiles, if if we use the image of the temple, the court of the Gentiles. And he says the gospel of John takes us into the holy of holies. Because John is concerned with showing us Jesus' heart, who Jesus is. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John give us the history of Jesus. But as Dr. Brian Simmons writes, John unveils the mystery of Jesus. So we have the history of Jesus and the mystery of Jesus. Another church father writes, John excels in the depths of divine mysteries. And you notice right from the beginning... If you, if you just compare the beginning of the Gospels, Mark, you'll notice, isn't really concerned about the birth of Jesus. Jesus just kind of shows up on the scene and is out there doing stuff. Matthew and Luke are really concerned about that birth narrative. Where does Jesus come from? What's his history? What's his lineage? How did he come into being as a human being? But you'll notice with John, John says, no, 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 this story starts much, much further back. 
Jesus was here before the beginning. He was with God and was God. So John is deeply concerned to show both the full humanity and the full divinity of Jesus, that, Je- that Jesus is fully God and fully human, and that all of life came into being through Jesus. And then we have the incarnation where he enters into the created world to reclaim and to renew, to bring fullness of life. Uh, one, one writer says, Luke examines Jesus with a microscope. Very detailed. I want to look at all of the stories about Jesus, and then I'm going to present them to you. Luke is looking at him with a microscope. And I'm not sure what to make of John. I wonder, maybe, it feels like sometimes John is actually using a kaleidoscope to capture the beauty, the mystery, the awe of Jesus and to give different pictures and images of who he is. John doesn't have any parables, but he has key metaphors and images of Jesus to give us a different picture of who Jesus is. And in the Gospel of John, we get these great I am statements, the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the way, the truth, the life, the resurrection and the life the true vine, all of these different images to show us who Jesus is. And John doesn't have a whole lot of miracles, but he has signs. He calls them signs because they're specifically chosen to show different things about Jesus, to emphasize important truths about Jesus' character. So all of that to say in John's gospel, I'm really excited that over the next few months, as a community, we are going to be digging in to the Gospel of John, to spin our kaleidoscopes and to experience Jesus, hopefully in some really fresh and new ways, and maybe also in some ways that maybe we've forgotten, or in ways that didn't quite make sense before, but now we have a deeper appreciation for who he is. John writes his purpose statement for writing the Gospel of John toward the very end in John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John's whole purpose is to show us who Jesus is, that we might believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, so that we can have life in his name. In John 1, 18, he writes, No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Jesus makes God known to us. This word revealed is actually a Greek word for like exegesis, which is what pastors and and other folks are trained to do when we read the Bible, exegesis. It's actually a word that means to lead. And so Jesus is exegeting God to us. Jesus is leading us into knowing God. 
So the vision of John's gospel is to introduce us to the Son who reveals the Father's heart so that we may have life. Now, this probably isn't some earth-shattering news for most of us. Jesus is awesome. Amen. And that we get to know God by looking at Jesus and studying Jesus. Hebrews 1.3 says, The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And in Colossians 1.15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So as a renewed community, this is the center of our faith, Jesus. And if we ever stray off of that center, then we should close our doors. So that's the invitation to come back and say, yes, Jesus is the center. And so if we're going to keep moving, we're going to keep our eyes fixed on him. We have to continue to abide with Christ. And we've been talking this year that our, our vision is to grow in, our, in being empathetic people and being prophetic people. And if we're to do that, then we have to be centered in Christ. We have to look to Jesus because he's the one who allows us to know God's heart and to speak God's heart. We only are able to enter into those things with any sort of purpose by continuing to grow in relationship with Jesus. John's gospel, I think there's, I think, three categories for me that I've noticed as I've been reading through John's gospel. And that is lifefulness, lifefulness, faithfulness, and lovefulness. We already, we already read that key verse, so that you may have life. And this is a key theme for John that Jesus came so that we might have life. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything came into being through him. This was Jesus' purpose from before the beginning. He's the life giver. And then he enters into our life to renew us, to restore us, to fix the broken part of us, to remove our sin, to take away our shame so that we can live full and abundant life eternally, not just in the future, but now. So it is a gospel of lifefulness. It is also a gospel of faithfulness. When you read the, the gospel of John, you'll see the word believe over and over and over again. Believe, believe, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, the, in English, we don't, we don't have a verb for faith, okay? We don't have a verb for faith. In the Bible, when John talks about believing, that word is the word for faith. It's just a verb. So rather than believing, you could say, so that you might faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by faithing you may have life in his name. I wish I could re rewrite the English grammar books and make faith a verb. 
Because it's something much more than just this cognitive idea that we have. Oh, yeah, I believe Jesus is God, or I believe Jesus came and taught a lot of cool things. But it's a faith. It's something much deeper. It's trust. It's allegiance. It's devotion. And this, this word believe, pistis in the Greek, is used over 100 times in John. So it's pretty important to John. So it is a gospel of faithfulness. And sometimes, I'll be honest, like I'm tempted to like believe things in my head, but not really act out of them in faith. And so that's the stretch for me, is to act in faith and not just out of the things that I believe. But I also, this past week, have recognized the flip side of this, that sometimes we're tempted to doubt things in our head but if faith also means allegiance, we can also say, ah, I'm not sure if I believe that this is true, but I'm going to choose to walk in faith and I'm just going to continue to align myself with Jesus and do the things that he said to do and we'll see what happens. So I think there's a beautiful uh, aspect of that, that this faith is much deeper than belief. It calls us and challenges us in both ways. And John's gospel is also a gospel of lovefulness. John 3.16, I don't know if any of you have ever heard that before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever might faith in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. And in the gospel of John, we're invited in to see what does love look like. And Jesus speaks to his disciples, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Abide in my love. Or as another translation puts it, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. And if you've ever read the Gospel of John, you know that he likes to refer to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I don't think he's trying to brag. I don't think he's trying to say, Jesus likes me. Sorry. I think he's actually inviting us into that. I think... John wants us to see ourselves as the disciples whom Jesus loves. That as we discover who Jesus says, I am, that impacts who I am. That I am the disciple whom Jesus loves. So we're going to, we've already kind of given you the homework to read the Gospel of John. I love that um, some newer folks at Renew are like, oh yeah, homework, that's what Renew does. So <laughs> apparently, for giving homework. Uh, so we're going to invite you to read the John's Gospel. And I'm not saying you need to read all of it this week or all of it in the next two weeks. I invite you to read it at whatever pace feels appropriate for you. Some of you in women's discipleship already read the whole gospel a couple weeks ago, so you're way ahead of the game. 
But some questions for you as you read John's gospel. I invite you to write these down, to ponder them as you read. And if you're in women's discipleship, you already read John's gospel. I know you've got lots of other reading assignments, so you can ask these questions while you're reading those reading assignments. Okay. These are the questions. What makes your soul sing? As you encounter Jesus in this gospel, what makes your soul sing? This is a beautifully poetic gospel the kaleidoscope with vivid imagery of Jesus and his goodness and love. And so as we encounter Jesus, there are parts of that that ought to just make us sing. And secondly, what makes your soul sting? And maybe that question makes you squirm a little bit, but uh, as I've had some conversations with folks about John's gospel in the last few weeks, people have pointed out like, Jesus is pretty blunt and pretty bold, especially in the Gospel of John. Jesus confronts in the Gospel of John. And I invite you to allow Jesus to confront you as you read. He's not coming at you to hurt you. Remember, his purpose is to bring life. His purpose is to bring the fullness of his love but sometimes the truth stings a little bit because Jesus wants to transform us to experience more of God's life. We have to allow him to confront those spaces in our lives that need to change. Pain serves an important function in our lives. Physical pain, emotional pain, it throws up the warning signs. Pay attention to this. Something needs to change. And so as you encounter Jesus, he might sting you a little bit, but I promise you he's good and he wants what best, what's best for you. So pay attention to what stings and allow Jesus to transform you. Another scholar wrote this about the pages of John's gospel. It says the pages of, God, of the gospel of John is blotted with penitence tears. The pages of John's gospel is blotted with penitence tears because when we read about Jesus in the gospel of John, we're drawn to him and we recognize that he needs to change us. <clears throat> in the next few questions, what does Jesus reveal about the heart of God? That was his purpose in coming to show us God's heart and that's where we're moving as we enter into the prophetic space of speaking and proclaiming the heart of God in people's lives. And so with that, how do you notice Jesus being empathetic and prophetic? And lastly, what questions do you have? You can ask Doug or I and we'll say, I don't know. <laughs> but it's good to dig, what questions do you have? And we can investigate them together. And so as we continue in the next few months, here's, here's the invitation and the challenge. Will you let Jesus meet you on his terms? Will you be open to encountering Jesus with fresh eyes and open heart and mind? 
In John chapter 1, verses 35 through 39, Jesus encounters his disciples, who will be his disciples for the first time. And a couple of them are with John the Baptist, and John the Baptist says, there's the one. And so they begin following Jesus, and Jesus looks back at them, and he says, what do you want? I think that's an important question for all of us to ask as we read the Gospel of John. Jesus asks them, what do you want? And their response is, master teacher, where are you staying, is what most translations say. But if you ever read the Gospel of John, you also know that he really likes the word abide. And this verb right here, this word, is the word for abide. So they ask, where are you abiding? And Jesus says, come and you will see. Come and see. So Jesus responds to us, come and see. And it strikes me that the disciples, when they're asked, what do you want? We want to know you. We want to see you. We want to know where you're staying, where you abide. And so they went with him and saw where he was abiding, and they abode with him that day. And here's my question. Where does Jesus abide? Where does Jesus abide? Anybody have an answer? Here. Here? Mm, yeah. Abides with us. Where else does Jesus abide? With the least of these. Mm. Yeah, somebody else said something. In you, Jesus abides in us. Anybody else? With the Father and the Holy Spirit. All of those beautiful things. I'm drawn back to John 1 and 18, which we read earlier. Jesus abides close to the Father's heart. Or in the Father's bosom. <laughs> or perhaps an idiom from the lap of the Father, which is a place of closest intimacy. So Jesus invites us to abide with him as he abides close to the Father's heart. Jesus comes and meets us and brings us the Father's heart. We just invite you to come and see. Come and abide with Jesus. <clears throat> Any encounter with Jesus should lead us to change. If we're willing to him, if we're willing to believe him, if we're willing to trust him. When we abide with Jesus, he prunes us so that we can experience the fullness of life and that we can be the bearers of life to those around us. So come and abide with Jesus so that we may have life and that we might speak life in the fullness of faith and love out of his grace and truth.
We're going to close the teaching time with a reading of John 1. And so I'm going to invite Pat and Casey up to read this, all of chapter 1. And I invite you, if you want to read along in your scripture, in your Bible, go for it. Otherwise, just sit and listen and allow Jesus to meet you this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of a fa- as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who, is, he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received, grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, 
I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to him, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here's the lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said, he is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Daniel asked him, where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathaniel replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? For you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.